you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy. Oh, man. I at the, at the MVP Summit, somebody came up to me and slapped the... VR helmet on my head and do this and I'm like okay and it was like this intense haunted house kind of uh-huh. thing it was you were you were strapped into a wheelchair being pushed through uh like an insane asylum like a ghost oh no that's the one that's, that's the one the legion m guys hosted at uh beyond fest that was that was intense that was right see and that's you know I, there was one i was looking at that was like a carnival with evil clowns and i thought oh i'll get that and then i went after, <laughs> yeah, I'll watch that every after, night. Right before Batman bedtime, Arkham was like too intense. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't think I'm going to enjoy that one at all." This but was desperately. This was pretty crazy because you could really crane your neck around and you could look yeah. up at the person who was pushing you, and every now and then it would change to a different person. I was like, "Well, there hmm. you go." Yeah, no. the is fun because uh, no clowns. You actually <laughs> because the clowns. No, actually, there's these weird giant beaver hot air balloons so but if you crane to look you actually mess everything up because um it's controlled by your head movements okay so you know they've they've got this incredibly immersive environment that you want to look at but then you can't really score well on the luge (laughs) because every time you turn to look you've turned your luge and you run into a wall nice (laughs) yeah they need a h they need an hud on that oh yeah so anyway there we go that's a good lead in say this is Derek McCaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and we are podcasting on Wednesday November 16th it's been a couple of weeks it has or as the kids say today it's been a minute um the last time we did it we were from Las Vegas and now we're divided between uh Los Angeles and San Jose and of course uh producing this podcast and and uh sitting there with amidst all the machinery Rick Brett Snyder. There we go. And we, I thought we were going to be able to have Nate Costa, but unfortunately we're not able to be joined by Nate this week. So it's once again a two-man crew. And, of course, if you are listening to this on iTunes or Google Play, please review us, please rate us, and please subscribe to us, assuming you're enjoying what you're listening to, which you don't know yet because we haven't really gotten into it. And uh, you can also find, of course, each and every podcast has its own individual page on fanboyplanet.com where there's plenty of other articles and videos and so forth and some things we talk about. And if some of the things we talk about are things that you would like to own for yourself, uh, I, I don't mean actors and actresses. I mean uh, books that we talk about, uh, you know, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, which, by the way, I should mention, this Saturday, November 19th, if you get this up in time, Rick, uh, is uh, local comic book store day. So find your local comic book store and uh, shop for some of the things we talk about. But if you cannot find them there, then you can use the handy-dandy Amazon link that is on our page as well. Uh, and we get a small kickback for each and everything you purchase through there. And the more that people purchase through Amazon, the more we get a slightly less small kickback. I'm glad, and, you, I'm uh, glad you clarified that thing about uh, not getting celebrities as gifts, because Scarlett Johansson is a little awkward to wrap. Yeah, we're going to uh, don't, don't. 
You can, uh, of course, support uh, us as well through Think Geek, which has plenty of great items coming up, so many cool things that I'm thinking I want for Christmas. And if you purchase them through the link, that uh, through the advertisement that is on fanboyplanet.com, we also get a very small kickback to help support the uh, hosting of the podcast and the hosting of the site. As well, if you're interested, uh, I've, I've heard this is still politically clear, free and clear to do, uh, you can donate directly to PayPal using the email address editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well, uh, if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And so we got uh, some comics news a little bit, uh, or really more comics discussion this week, uh, which will lead into kind of talking about what comics are cool. Uh, movie news, TV news, I think there was a hint there about uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, and uh, But our top story, I think we wanted to talk about, is just an acknowledgement about someone who's had a obviously huge impact on our childhoods, uh, all of us, more than you, than you know, perhaps, in pop culture, is the passing of Robert Vaughn, uh, actor who really sounds like it was a very aggressive form of leukemia. Uh, passing at 83 last week uh, unexpectedly um, but why he's had such a huge uh, impact on our on our lives is of course uh, he's perhaps most famous for playing Napoleon solo in the man from uncle oh yeah um, and which was uh, the American James as Bond. a role uh, reprised as a role by Henry Cavill in the man from uncle remake two years ago Um and uh, there's the American James Bond, which uh, I believe the name Napoleon Solo was indeed uh, scribbled on a napkin by Ian Fleming. So uh, that's uh, that. There is a connection uh, being there as the spy spy series, but also he was in the Magnificent Seven. Yep. And uh, played the almost identical role in Battle Beyond the I Stars. I hope you were going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny because when I, I when I saw his obituary, I had to say, you know, I hope they buried him with a hot meal because that's yep, you know, that's Richard Thomas's thing, you know, you know bury him with a hot meal, the promise. And uh, I saw that before I saw Magnificent Seven, so I didn't realize there was that that nice connection there. Uh, he was also, <laughs> you know. I gotta say, he's one of the few bright spots in Superman Three. As much as I hated that movie, that little threat he makes to Richard Pryor about "I gave you one <laughs> job yes. to kill Superman, and you couldn't do that one little thing," <laughs> one uh, little you know. And, and then I think worth checking out if people haven't watched it is Hustle, that uh, series he did for uh, for the UK um, about con men, and he was the aged mentor. Fairly recent, uh, to, too. To the leads. Yeah, uh, I think he went through five seasons of that. Really fun, fun character actor, uh, good actor, and just sorry to see him go. Yeah. Um, and uh, condolences there. And I hope people check out. Check out Man from Uncle. Check out Hustle. Check out The Magnificent Seven, the original. Check, check out, out Battle, Battle Beyond, Beyond the Stars. The stars. Yeah, because uh, it's a better movie than you think. Plus, it's also got you know that's one of James Cameron's uh, I think first art direction jobs. And Civil Danning. Ah, that's right. And Richard Thomas. Yeah. And those strange little uh, hive mind aliens. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so uh, to acknowledge that and to move into comics and talk about uh, in in the wake of uh, 
kind of checking into you know what has happened in the United States in the last uh, week or so, and um, I was thinking about the two major publishers, the big two, as we say, DC and Marvel, which are now. I think Marvel did just finally get a little market share back. But it's also by, as usual, you know, it's just more because they've got more books on the stand. But I wanted to take a look at kind of their output because we've, you know, we've talked about how much we've really enjoyed uh, DC Rebirth and been surprised by how many of those books uh, we are actually, uh, I think both of us, when I say we, both Rick and myself are, are reading on uh, a, a regular basis. I'm reading more and than so, I thought I was going to, yeah. Yeah, and, and there you go. And I, and I think... I made this observation a few weeks ago that DC's doing getting with rebirth is like it's comfort food. It's you know oh this is the Batman we kind of remember loving. This is uh, Superman the way we wanted him. It feels like old it's it's like the macaroni and cheese and there's nothing wrong with that. But I've noticed in in in, in the on the flip side when you get to Marvel now which is being redone, you know that this year's event well, not event, but relaunch, where instead of rebooting, they're they're sort of restarting. They're they're freshening some concepts. They're doing new things, and I think something interesting has happened. And I will acknowledge uh, again in terms of, of politics is that I think Marvel is actually doing much edgier stuff with characters that you think you know oh, than yeah. DC actually does. Uh, and one a few weeks ago, we had said, you know put in the what's in the bag champions, um, and that was when I finally got around to reading it. And the second issue came out last week or two weeks ago. Um, I thought the motivation for champions was uh, for the characters in there seemed so like wow, this is actually like this. Not only did I say say oh look, it's all the young characters and the, the you know this is the next generation of Marvel. It really, really is about the next generation of Marvel readers, too. Their sense of social media, their sense of social justice, and their sense of being out there. Um, although the second issue was, again, why why we like comic books versus uh, movies and TV for those quiet moments of, like, they take a camp out. It's almost like that, as we always use the, as the example, the X-Men baseball game. Right. You know, and really fascinating, and, and seeing the, those kid dynamics. But, but I thought, you know, this is a team book. That's exactly how I, I'm imagining my son feels right now about what he can do, and you know how we should be approaching being good, for lack of a better phrase, uh, in this country. And then I read, and it happened in our gap where we were not able to record. Did you read Occupy Avengers by David Walker? No, I did not. Um, I kind of choked up reading it. Really? Because what I realized is this is really, this is, and I know David's work is tending this way, and I think it may be one of the most important comics in mainstream, at least, that you can read uh, in the, in as we wrap up a crappy year of 2016, because it is directly challenging that question look if you have you're saving the world it, okay here's where I'll, I'll get you you why you need to get it because i realized it's the hard traveling heroes of the 21st century oh interesting okay and i don't even know if they used to if they actually originally called what we call the hard traveling heroes hard traveling heroes it was green lantern green arrow for those who have not 
you know, Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams doing this thing where Green Lantern and, and Green Arrow took a road trip. Occupy mostly, Avenger. mostly Lantern challenging Green Arrow as, as not being part no, of the Green Earth. Arrow challenging Green, Green Arrow, pardon, pardon, challenging Green. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, because he's so distant and so cosmic, and that's exactly what's going on in Occupy Avengers. It's ah, Hawkeye. Okay. After in the wake of Civil War, Civil War Two, Hawkeye having killed Bruce Banner at Bruce Banner's behest, but no one knows that is like the superhero community hates Hawkeye. For killing the Hulk, but the people in Middle America love Hawkeye for having taken care of that menace. Interesting. Is it and it's, is it exposed in this issue that it was at Bruce Banner's request? He never tell he never tells anybody that. But where what? It, but it happens in this issue that that they exposed because I'm reading a bunch of stuff like uh, no, but no. In, in in Civil War two, it was clear Hawkeye. Clint Barton said that that. That, it, that Bruce asked him to. If I ever start to Hulk out again, if I start to lose control, you are to kill me. So mm-hmm. that's no spoiler. That's no secret. That's That was in the second issue of Civil War, too. Um, but in Occupy Avengers, it's, you know, he basically Clint Barton went on trial and he's been exonerated. Right. So he's wandering, but the superhero community's turned the back on him. So he's out in the Midwest and... Um, here it is. He's in sort of a standing rock situation. Uh, they say, oh, you're out here to help us. He's now being seen as like the people's hero, huh. a role that he didn't necessarily want. But it's because, well, if you took care of the Hulk, you can take care of, you know, you're you're here for us. You're the hero that stands for us. Hey, does that sound familiar? You know, and and he runs into the uh, under the reser- uh, some of the reservation where Red Wolf is. And. Uh, what they discover is basically like Standing Rock. There's uh, the resources being diverted. Uh, I think in this case it's a white supremacist group. But it's basically Hawkeye realizing that when he has spent all this time being an Avenger, facing killer robots, aliens, invasions, uh, you know, trying to protect the entire Earth, he's the, have the heroes lost tra- track of protecting the people mm-hmm. and you know red wolf's in a different situation being a sheriff's deputy uh and and dealing with his local community and that, that was one of the reasons that that book started um but you know david walker is challenging and as soon as i finished reading it i'm like well i definitely see the parallels to what's going on in the real world and wow i you know hawkeye being one of those characters that thanks to uh, the Avengers movie, you know, everybody knows who Hawkeye is right? in the mainstream. And so to pick up this book and to really challenge the readers and start thinking about, you know, what are you standing for? And, and this isn't, this doesn't feel fictional. You know, this feels like I know the people are protesting an issue similar to this. And it's, it's hard when I flip over to then a DC book and uh, say uh, Doom Patrol or Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Yay! I don't have to pay attention to the real world at all. Right. You know, and so it was just really. Uh, I've got to go back, and I know I didn't really. Uh, I didn't really enjoy the first issue of Nighthawk, which has you know, it, as a book's been canceled, but there's a trade paperback coming. But I, I think this is like when I realize when you read Josh Dysart over at Valiant and you read his Harbinger run. Um, 
and you read his Unknown Soldier for Vertigo many, many years ago, is uh, there are writers, there are creators willing to use the genre to tackle very important issues. And I'm, I've gone on record with, with people about this, with about Josh Dysart before, and I'm going to add Dave Walker to the list. David, I shouldn't say Dave. I don't think we're that close. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to add David Walker to the list of, uh, if we get through these times, we're going to look back and say, they may not have been writing the most popular books, but they're two of the most important writers we have in comics right now. Bendis is popular. I like Brian Michael Bendis, and he's pushed. Uh, you know, Bendis has pushed a lot. But David Walker's really talking, using Marvel to tell, some, you know, talk about some solid, real world issues, in a way that Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams were in the in the nineteen sixties and early seventies. Yeah. Now, but more effectively, two things. One, um, just to be clear, uh, the hard traveling tr- heroes are in this case are Hawkeye and Red Wolf. Well, or, I think what I mean is just, just an echo. It's not a direct. It's not. A, it's not. A, if if the Occupy Avengers turn out to be Hawkeye and Red Wolf and who else knows, I think this is about the awakening of. This is what thematically, you know, it, okay. it, it, it's it's an odd. You know, it's this infamously odd moment from that Green Lantern Green Arrow series, which also introduced John Stewart um, originally. Right. Right. Um, but when uh, they're in Harlem and the the old man, blue man says says to Green Lantern, you know, I've heard you you answer to the blue man. You've gone to a planet to to defend the green man and you, and the yellow man. But what have you done for the black man? And yeah. that's you know, it, it, it's it's an awkward pedantic moment in that book because it's the '60s and man, you got to make this you know really clear. This is instead you know this. There are clear-cut villains, but there's also, you know, clear-cut that there are a lot of people just sort of stuck in the middle, trying to live their lives, and they're not, and the, and their lives are not being protected, or their, you know, their ways of life, and even more so. I read that before our election last week, and then in all the, you know, post-election, everybody hashing out what went right, what went wrong, what did this, and blah blah blah. It's like, you know, it's all this finger pointing, and here's this book that's actually calling it out calling out what's going on with with people so I, I have a lot of hope for this title um the only reason i don't have hope for this title is because the way marvel runs things is i don't trust that any series is ever meant to be a series anymore yeah now now it's occupy avengers and we've mentioned yeah. uh hawkeye and red wolf actually the, the current incarnation of red wolf was not an avenger um no he's not as whereas the previous one had been um, yeah, and I did you read the that attempted reboot of the character, the his own book? Uh, I haven't yet. I read I'm the, go back into Marvel Comics Unlimited. And, I read and the first issue, and I wasn't terribly excited about it. So maybe this is better. But are there is the is an Avengers tie-in here deeper than just Hawkeye, or is nope, it? Nope, not yet. So okay. I think the thing is, one. I I think no, I, you know, I get this is from a marketing perspective. Yeah. You know that that they're trying to create an Avengers, I, which I think is interesting. That champions became champions and not champion Avengers or Avengers colon champions. You yeah. Know? Um, well, they had to but, reduce the champions name, right? Or else they'll lose it. But you know, I, I, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, you know, Kevin Feige said that at the end of season uh, phase four, we're in three, right? So yeah. phase four has not been plotted yet. 
for the movies. And I think what we'll call it here is that they're waiting to see. I think of a book like The Champions, I think it's just Champions. If Champions succeeds, that that's where you'll see, that's what you'll see what they do once all those characters, and we've said it before, once all the Avengers actually age out, the actors age out of the roles, the next generation just steps in. They're multicultural, they're ready to go, and there's a whole generation of kids you know, ready to ready to go. Uh, you know, that have read these characters and and come to love them. Uh, and it's interesting because it, it's written by Mark Wade, uh, who is middle aged white man who somehow manages to pick. A, and I don't think he has kids. You know, um, but he certainly gets what what teens are you know talking about. Um, it's it's interesting. And he's also announced, by the way, that he is. He is literally where when he appears at a convention, you are to consider his table, you are to consider his booth, whatever he's at, to be a safe space. It's interesting to me that they did go with the Avengers title, not to beat this thing, but Hawkeye had been a fairly popular title for a while, and as you mentioned, he's got well, he's got recognition. But, because it's Marvel now, Hawkeye with the other one. Yeah, but but there have been one of the reasons I didn't pick up Occupy Avengers is because there are so many Avengers books right now, and I was I'm actively no, I looking for well, the I ones that go back I don't have to buy. I think you need to go back and pick up Occupy okay. Avengers, and I think the reasoning is that they wanted to launch a different Hawkeye. Okay, which I I do understand because the, I don't know if it's Kate Bishop or not, but uh, because I haven't picked it up. Um, to be honest, I've been too busy to even check my emails for you know, press releases from Marvel this week, but, um, that, you know, that the, they want to go a different direction there, which I also understand because yeah. Jeremy Renner isn't that young either. You know, they want to set up who's the next Hawkeye, you know, Renner's got a what, few more miles on him. Renner's got a few more. Well, Renner wants a, a Netflix series, yeah. but, uh, which would be awesome. Uh, so let's, uh, let's turn to, uh, as we recommended things that are in the past. What's out this week? In what's in the bag? What's uh, what's out this week that you uh, that you picked up? Okay. Assuming you got to the store. No, I did. I did. Um, I'm going to go with my one DC title first. So, uh, in uh, do we have to say DC Universe Rebirth Rebirth before all these titles? Do we still say no? That? Just say just okay. So, uh, in the name of the Father, issue eleven of Superman. Um, is really starting to wind up towards uh, the Super Sons, um, mm-hmm. and just looks just flipping through it. Uh, of course, of course, we've got uh, we've got a Mick Gray inking job going on here, so it's just feeling just it's like like Batman and Robin plus. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. This looks just so. I, I want to find a nice quiet time tonight to read this. I wasn't going to blast through it just so I could know what I was talking about. Yeah, that yeah. almost made it creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> I just want to find a nice, a quiet, nice quiet place. Good, uh, a nice brandy and uh, and a couple of young boys in superhero costumes. No, there's uh, yep. there's there's yep. Batman. You, you, yeah. There's Batman and Superman. I've tried for years to teach you to just what's better left unsaid, Rick. No. <laughs> and there is there is a uh, a nice. Uh, two-page uh, spread uh, in honor of Steve Dillon uh, in the back of this. Yeah, I, I heard that they were doing that this week. So, And it's got uh, uh, this one has Preacher uh, looking back over his shoulder mm-hmm. with the uh, yeah. the Midwest. And it's been quite a party, ain't it? Uh, yeah. Just a nice Well, nice they, they announced that and released that, that image yeah. a couple of weeks ago. So I, I'm glad they, you know, an obvious obvious thing there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. This, this is uh, this is 
I am. I don't think- I'm really looking forward to that book. I, 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 I would not think that I would have bought Teen Titans ever again, but I am buying Teen Titans merely on the fact that Damien's in it. And uh, and you know the funny thing is, I know that there are people that are not buying Teen Titans for exactly the same reason. Oh, they're missing out. Uh, I that's what I argue. But you know, I it's one of those moments where you have to stop and go. There are a lot more important real world things to argue about than yeah. whether or not someone should like Damian Wayne. Well, no, uh, I, I just don't like and, those people arguing with me as to why I shouldn't enjoy it. You know? Oh, no, 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 no one's argued with me that I shouldn't. I just say it's just kind of funny. We discuss why and then realize that a lot of people stopped reading too soon. Ben you know, uh, and they and they haven't understood why uh, why he's cool. Oh, okay. In recent in recent years, that so is what I've heard is like they didn't like the concept, and then went you know said no, you got to give it a try, got to yeah, give really it a try. Really, it's a you know, it's a and large, and, large and for anybody anybody listening, you know, you can you can really shortcut by watching the animated films. The son of Batman pretty much in ca- you know yeah, captures yeah. captures it with an actor who's you know enthusiastic. It, it gives you enough. It gives you enough background, but I would I would never say don't read the. I, I'd get it. The trends. no, no, no. But at this point, you know, Rick, when I say you can, you can watch a seventy-minute cartoon or you can read a hundred comics. Most people are going to watch the seventy-minute cartoon, you know, that, and, and that's all. Um, and so, no offense to any listener, but I understand some people are shortcutting in there. And if you're already into Damian Wayne, good for you. And you got to, you know, you've already read those hundred comics. Um, I didn't get any mainstream. Uh, DC books this week because I'm down in Los Angeles so I had to go to Earth 2 get to go to Earth 2 really uh, and uh, make sure I'm buying things that aren't on my pull list at Elusive Comics so um, uh, I'm going to go one mainstream Marvel and that's it uh, I think we talked about it a month ago with the first issue but the book that I'm most looking forward to is uh, to reading this week is Infamous Iron Man number 2 I, I, I almost put that on my stack with uh, Victor Von Doom uh, trying to be a hero in a serious, uh, a serious way, and I think this is one of the most interesting twists out of out of se- Secret Wars. You know, uh, I'm going to say if one good thing came out of Civil War II, it is this idea of Occupy Avengers, and if one good thing came out of Secret Wars, it's this interesting story of Victor Von Doom. Uh, I think he. I don't know that it's we can fairly characterize it as he's seeking redemption, as just trying to convince people that yeah he's good now you know he's already redeemed himself in his own eyes because he's still victor von doom right but yeah. know, it's like, no it's 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 the uh it's it's not necessarily a redemption story it's it's definitely a this is what i am and then the problem is the yeah. resistance that yeah. he, he fa- faces yeah and i just love i just love alex Maleev's art and uh so yeah. you know it, it's it, it is interesting because you know the flip side, you've got Gatiss, Michael, uh, you know, Michael Gatiss working on Jessica Jones. And it's like Bendis is with the two people that launched him, you know, artistically uh, with Marvel. So it's just it's just great to see. Oh, my gosh, it's almost like comfort food. But it's not. It's twisted. It's like it's like mac and cheese with lobster, except I don't really like lobster. But still, you know what I'm saying. So next on, on your stack. Okay, so um, I'm going to – I've got like three, but I'm, I, I, I know that there is a uh, – there's a theme I want to go to, so I'm going to go next with uh, Doctor Strange number 14, which I think they are they are hitting it out of the ballpark with respect to Doctor Strange, where they where the story led to 
before the movie came out and what they've been doing with the book and the supporting books and the supporting characters. Um, this has, uh, on the cover, we've got just a, a nice demented little cafe scene where nothing is quite, <laughs> it looks like a normal, uh, normal street cafe deli interior, but you've got mutants and you've got Satana or what's her name? Um, daughter of uh, Satan, Satan, uh, Marvel. Yeah. Satana. Satana. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Satana, Satana. Yes. And she's uh, about to serve a very strange uh, dish to, uh, Stephen strange sitting there at the table and the, I can't, I can't begin. I, I just could destroy, I could decompose this, this cover for another 15 minutes, but I won't. Um, I think that they're just doing the right thing. Marvel is, melding the small income they get from the comics with the massive income they get from the from the movies and um it's not on our list to talk about this week but uh Doctor Strange is uh is 2 weeks in top top of the uh top of the charts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. up against top some of the other <laughs> top of the charts Casey Kasem the toppermost of the poppermost um so yes. yeah, I, I mean, are you reading Doctor Strange and, and the other? Yeah, I'm a little be, I'm a little behind, but yeah. I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I mean, it is to just acknowledge that I think the book is closer. I realize that my initial kind of lukewarm reaction to the film was that most of what I had read of Doctor Strange was like really the the Stanley and Steve Ditko era, which let's be honest, really more the Steve Ditko era. Yeah, um, and the Doctor Strange that Benedict Cumberbatch plays is the Doctor Strange in the comics right now. Definitely. And so as I catch up to that and go, you know, this is, it's one of those things where I just, when when the Spider-Man movies went through that too, like, well, which Spider-Man did you grow up reading? You know? And, and and I think people's mileage varied based on where they came in, who they, you know, which writer was doing it, which, which era, and so, like, the Doctor Strange, who is the smart aleck, who, who prides himself on a sense of humor, that's the Doctor Strange right now that, uh, that, they're, that they're doing in Marvel. And I, I, I do love that book. Yeah. Uh, I, I passed on, there was a, another one. Uh, Doctor uh, Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme. Supreme. The Sorcerer's Apprentice that I passed on because I got... Oh, the Apprentice, yeah. And because I really get irritated by, okay, we've got a golden goose, let's... Let's see how many eggs it can lay this week. You know, uh, that if I, wa- you know, I walk in and I see three different Doctor Strange titles uh, for a character that. Um, how many Avengers titles are there? I know, and I don't like that either. And I totally, you know, and I get it's the, mar- it's the marketing thing. You know, yeah. I read The Last Days of Magic and went, okay, you've got this interesting team of different kinds of mages, uh, which could be really good. Uh, it could be really interesting, but. It could also be just really frustrating that there's all these different, you know. Again, I but what I, what, I lost I lost track of a lot of Avengers books, and I'll be honest. The only reason I picked up Occupy Avengers is because I know David Walker. Ah. And, no, I, what I love about this this series is now they they did introduce with that End of Magic storyline. They introduced a, a brand new evil in, interdimensional evil, um, but now we've got like Mordor's Mordor's there and. Mordo 
is Mordeaux. Mordeaux. Mordor is yeah, like I know. And Nightmare and bringing back Satana from like the 70s, you know, it's like, wow. Um, but Chris Bacciallo? B-A-C? Yeah, Chris, Chris, Chris Bacciallo. Sure his artwork is just like, I mean, if it can't have Ditko, I'll have this guy. I mean... I, I love Bacciallo. I mean, you know, and that's interesting you say that because... It's so realistic, but it's so bizarre at the same time. To me, Bacciallo made his name uh, following up on Ditko um, because of Shade the Changing Man. Ah, a Ditko creation, and then uh, and then Bachelo is the that. one who did the Vertigo yeah. with Peter Milligan. Okay. Yeah, so makes sense. And he had done the Generation X uh, book many years ago. I love that. I love his work. So yeah, I'm with that. Um, I'm going to go. My next two choices are both going to be really off the beaten path, and I'm hoping I'm going to surprise you with a title that you wanted to pick up but didn't know existed. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm going to start with uh, Slam from Boombox. Uh, it's a, uh, I love that we are entering this time, a time when comics, American comics are doing what manga have long done, which is suddenly there are books about everything you could possibly be into. And this is, to my knowledge, the first roller derby <laughs> comic. Okay. So written by uh, Pamela Rabone, who is apparently uh, out of the Austin improv scene. And illustrated by Veronica Fish, who had been doing the Jughead book for Archie. So I love the art already going in. Um, and I just love that this is, as someone who, strangely enough, I actually ha- know three different professional roller derby people. Uh, I don't even know what you call, you know, roller girls. Uh, you know, so to actually uh, have a comic book about them, is, uh, about the sport, is fascinating to me. I don't understand the sport. But now maybe this is a, a way into it. So just really cool that it exists. So I'm I'm here to say let's give Slam with an exclamation point uh, from Boombox a chance. Next on yours. So uh, I'm going to go Marvel movie universe. Even though that I think this is, unless they surprise me with Thor Ragnarok, this is still looking even further out because this week we have the beginning of what I expect is a miniseries called thanos and yes. but inside it says thanos returns i haven't looked at in the, the indicia to see nope just thanos thanos number one um uh i've i'm a sucker for the cosmic heroes and thanos has had really good uh miniseries before i don't think there have been any that have been real stinkers because the character is surprising always um even the the origin story which was a little pat it was still entirely readable this book uh thanks to and it, i want to make sure i get the name right it's uh i think it's frank no mike frank martin is the colors mike diodato um is so reminiscent of the avengers series that were when uh oh who was writing the really cosmic avengers stories that uh Engelhart? No, 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 no. Just recent, uh, just in the last uh, six years or so. Um, Hickman, you're forgetting Hickman. Hickman? I forgot Hickman. Yeah. It, uh, oh, the, see, it's a bad night for us both. Yeah. So the uh, the Hick the the really star-spanning Hickman stuff with uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Diodato was the was the artist on at least some of those. So it's it's hitting on those kind of like notes for me. Um, and then you just got yeah. Thanos. And I'm, yeah. So. 
Thanos number one, um, which of course will be leading into the uh, Infinity Wars. So, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Thanos uh, have something to do with Ragnarok. Oh, I'm I'm sure there's a at least uh, because we know that we have the Grandmaster. Yeah. So there's got to be that uh, that there. Um, all right, so my surprise book. Uh, I don't know if you know it existed. <laughs> okay. Uh, because this is a publisher I've never heard of before. Stranger Comics. Okay. Are you familiar with them? No. Uh, teaming with Unified Pictures and a company called Digital Frontier. Um, and uh, it is Vampire Hunter D. Oh, interesting. But done... Uh, with a, so the story is credited to Hideyuki Kikuchi, but the writer is Brandon Easton and the artist is Michael Broussard. So it's actually what caught my attention and to read it is that it is not done in a manga style. Okay. It is uh, you know a westernized version of uh, of the art uh, telling a vampire hunter D. So they they caught my attention both being a new uh, slick publisher, but also you know. Uh, westernizing the story a bit, or westernizing the comic, which, which includes all uh, variant covers by Jay Lee. So, um, oh, nice. there's, some be- there's some beautiful, beautiful uh, artwork in here, and they've given a little history of Vampire Hunter D in the back and uh, ads for the uh, Blu ray for the original cult classic, which has been remastered. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I had to get you read their tagline. The original cult classic um which i'm sure is actually accurate but still uh so uh i had no idea that was coming i've never heard of this publisher before so but i thought it was worth taking a peek so um that's that's my recommendation and that's what's in the bag this week uh and speaking of anime and cult classics um in movies as as uh, rick has pointed out and been very excited and um fairly more excited than I because I never watched the original anime or read the manga. Uh, we saw the first official trailer for Scarlett Johansson uh, as Major in Ghost in the Shell this week. So, yes? I should send we- you a link because there somebody's done a uh, pretty awesome side-by-side of the live action and the, the theatrical um, mm-hmm. animated... Uh, and a lot of the scenes are just like, you know, the, it's like the, the animated is like storyboarding the live action, which mm-hmm. is, is great because, you know, you look at, you look at a lot of animated movies and you go, that'd be way too expensive to do in a real movie. And now, now we're seeing that in movies that argue they have big budgets, but they're not like as big as we thought they might have to be to pull that stuff off. Um, and you know, it's all the, uh, all the right elements, you know, the, the, uh, the camouflage suits and the, I've forgotten the Baca. I've, there's a Lieutenant who has cybernetic eyes and he looks just perfect. And you know, all oh, it, it looks interesting. Yeah. It did make me want to go back and actually uh, check out the original. The originals uh, are, which, I mean, there, there, there were two TV, two series and several movies. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, the original ghost in the shell is probably the most striking one of all because of, uh, kind of the mystery about it and, what you find out during it, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and it's funny that you said that there was a, that shot by side, shot side by side, because I mean everybody's saying this, 
about Disney released their beauty live action Beauty and the Beast trailer, and people were going, it's like, huh, Disney's not even trying to <laughs> do anything different. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, you know. They're damned if they do and damned if they don't, right? No, absolutely. But, you know, and that's what – because I can remember the, – the funny thing to me is I remember I, 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 was, uh, I was on the board of a, of a community theater like back in 91, I think it was, um, and be, the animated film had just come out. And the, the bios for the kids in junior theater were like, you know, several of the girls said, my dream is to play Belle on Broadway. Okay. And I thought, there's no way that's going to happen. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then let's go four short years later, and I'm seeing the L.A. tour of Beauty and the Beast, the live action. Uh, Granted, you probably musical. got when they when they did Lion King, you probably went, hmm, I wonder. Uh, that one I would never have predicted, and I still haven't seen the stage version. But I mean, I've 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 heard it's magnificent. I just oh, I, did yeah, not. I saw it in San Francisco. You know, I mean, really but good. there's the funny thing is that you also go with like, oh, you know, so they're going to do a live action Lion King. No, they're just going to change the way it's animated. Uh, you know, because uh, are you going to train a bunch of lions to speak? No. Um, so I, with Beauty and the Beast, it, 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 I'm glad they're not trying trying to hide it because I think it's it, the thing is. You know, in a in an interesting way, that's one of those. That's an animated film that has really it, it has a, a following, a, a, a fandom, a core that I don't think you could say like with Cinderella was the same Jungle Book somewhat, and they didn't blow that, you know. But to do uh, Beauty and the Beast live action, and there's going to be those moments of I guess they've changed some little character bits, but you, you know, I did see, see I did see some some lines and some interactions that looked a little different, but what impressed me about the, uh, about the, the, the short, the ad was, um, the lushness of some of the characters. Now it was funny because like, if you look at the, the, uh, candlestick, uh, character, mm -hmm. uh, there's so much, air. there's so much gray engraving in, in the, face and to make it look like it's been sculpted of metal and then the animated aspects of it surpasses the the animated cartoon which is you know on one thing but you don't you don't really expect the the that the the live action to be more fantastic really than well than, i mean the thing is there's the dan if you do if if you, on stage, you do it. You have to make it more simplistic because they have to move, and they're an actor, you know. And we we don't want to lose the actor in the costume. Yeah. But for this, we don't want to see the actor at all. We don't. We don't want to know. Not the way that character is. But I it's almost like, the, the staging too. You know, the one scene that always gets me in the movie, in the animated movie, is the uh, the ballroom when they're dancing, and mm -hmm. that that was CGI. The ballroom yes. itself was was CGI, and then. You look at the live action with CGI, and the ballroom doesn't look as splendid. So it's almost like I really wanted to say that the the staging doesn't look that as exciting, but the yeah. characters look look more exciting. And I I, I, I didn't get a yeah. sense of what uh, what uh, what's the hunter's name um, Gaston Gaston. Yeah, but they show him. In like I think it was interesting. I scenes. would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to have seen them do like include a bit from the musical oh, from the songs. Yeah. You know, um, just because I think it's, it's interesting that that's how we have to, we have to hide that things are musicals still, hmm. you know, even though everybody knows Beauty and the Beast is a musical. We know that's a musical. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's always been a musical. Um, 
Yeah. I like that the beast looks somewhat like uh, the uh, La Belle et Bête, um, you know, the 40s uh, French film. Hmm. Um, that the beast has more of that look than he than the than the Disney one, and I yeah. thought that, that that was a nice little little touch and a little difference. Um, speaking of remakes, uh, that we also want to say that Paramount has wrested the rights. Uh, from I don't know who owns it now. It's not the Rather Corporation. Uh, for another Green Hornet film, they want to do a grim and gritty with director Gavin O'Connor. He wants to talk about how here's the you know the the hero for the people, and um, I'm strangely un unenthusiastic about this idea. I think that I would have been excited if they hadn't done another Green Hornet movie so recently um, that I wasn't excited about. Right, you know that's uh, well. I mean, actually, I liked the Seth Rogen one, um, but I, it, I liked they, it, but not because it it felt like a Green Hornet movie to me. No, it was yeah. it was the you know my my the thing I I I say to people about that about that film is that the problem is that you that everybody wanted every everything that anybody's ever seen of the Green Hornet before that was the Green Hornet late in his career. The uh-huh. TV series was he was already fully established. He was already this, and instead. Uh, you know, Seth Rogen tried to show us, well, here's the kind of the jerk he was becoming the hero. Like, you know, this was five years before the TV series, basically. And uh, so, you know, it's an interesting take. It's not the take that anybody wanted. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure there were a lot of other issues as well. I mean, it sounds like that was a very troubled production. But but this now is like, yeah, but it, it's kind of to me like Lone Ranger. Somebody always wants to update these things, and maybe the Green Hornet's just best left as a period piece and just best left as what it is. And I understand that's not how IPs work. Everybody wants to, you know, infuse new life and be able to sell new toys. And But, but the reality is that some characters really are just characters of their time. Now, if, you if know... They could still I'll, win me back on this if if they find a way to make the Green Hornet really cool and Cato really Bruce Lee, you know, if, if, uh, if they can, if they can pull off, there's no way to make Cato really Bruce Lee. Yeah, I I know. You know know what I mean? I just like Cato being the the super action figure and the Green Hornet being like the manipulator, the guy who's working both sides against, you know, right. Each other. And yeah, that, that, that could, if they can pull something like that off without, Without just making him like Gadget Man or something, you know. Well, and I, you know what, and I, and I guess the thing that really fills me, fills me with dread is when you when they actually put in the press release that they want to make it grim and gritty. Yeah, and and like, and I just go, there is, there are characters that were grim and gritty. That's not who the Green Hornet is. Not that he's a laugh a minute at all, right? Um, but it's just adventure. He's not it's the just, Punisher. Give me adventure, right? You know, yeah. And the Punisher, even as Grim Gritty, I still say like you know the the only one that I've responded to really well is the one on the, the Netflix series, yeah. um, you know because they gave me a reason to care about him, and he wasn't a jerk, you know you, you understood why he was doing what he was doing. But uh, anyway, uh, so the last uh, movie thing is just because it's going to transition. Nice. This is a big Marvel multimedia week. Um, transmedia, I'm sorry, uh, is that it has been revealed and James Gunn confirmed that, uh, you know, we a few weeks ago we had talked about Kurt Russell uh, being Ego, the living planet, as the father of Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. 
And it turns out that while uh, James Gunn was writing that and deciding that that's who Star-Lord's father was, it had never occurred to him to check to see if uh, Marvel Studios actually had the rights to Ego. Oh, oops. Yeah, so this is interesting. We owe Kurt Russell being in Guardians of the Galaxy to Deadpool. Really? So somehow, even though Ego first appeared in Thor... Yeah, they put in the rights package for Fantastic Four. That's really dumb. Yeah, so I, I don't can't get how that happens. And especially, I don't believe Ego showed up in like the first. I I don't even remember Ego showing up, but I'm pretty darn sure he didn't show up in like the first hundred and fifty episode issues. Yeah, I, I who knows? Like I say, everything when you talk about Marvel rights and people sometimes post on my Facebook page and like, how did this happen? I'm like, you know, un- until. Everyone is that was involved is dead, and the legal records can be looked at. We'll have no idea why these rights packages were so insane, right? You know, and because they are. And uh, but what it was is that we why we owe it to Deadpool is because teenage Negasonic Warhead uh, had kind of like uh, mental powers in the in the comics, and Tim Miller and Ryan Reynolds wanted to ch- loved the name wanted to change the power set. So they went to Marvel and said, we'd like to basically change who Teenage Negasonic Warhead is and give her this power set, make her more of this kind of character. And they and they said, you know, is there anything you would want in exchange? <laughs> we'd like a living planet, please. And we'd like Ego the living planet. <laughs> because James Gunn said, like, I have no idea. I had worked it out. It's like, if we didn't have the rights to Ego, we would have no I, I couldn't answer the question. Yeah, and they go, Who was Star-Lord's dad? There goes our script so, for Deadpool 2. Damn, what are we going to do now? Yeah, no, I mean, what an obscure thing. And, but, you know, and so I, this does transition to TV because one of the things that came out of this, and I really hadn't paid attention, is FX is doing an X-Men TV series, Legion, mm-hmm. um, which is about David Holler, the son of Charles Xavier. Uh, they've also announced, by the way, that they're essentially rebooting. You know that that what they, again? Uh, that Ryan Reynolds is the like the, the only cast member standing for what would you call the current X Men? Um, that basically Jennifer Lawrence and and uh, Fassbender, Michael Fassbender and and uh, James McAvoy have all said basically that you know if they that they're all a package deal. If one goes, they're all gone. So wow, Fox responded and said, no, you know, we've got a whole new generation. We've got Deadpool now. We can put in X-Force. We've got the younger versions of uh, Jean Grey and Cyclops. Let's see what we can do with that. So they're rebooting all this stuff. But what I hadn't noticed is, you know, they got they got permission from Marvel to do a TV series, which I guess had not really been fully negotiated the first time around. This is a sign of the thawing. You know, X-Men after Death of X is coming back to the comics. Uh, there's are some '90s X-Men toys showing up again for the first time. Pop vinyl's got a line. Cables showing up, you know. So Marvel's a lot allowing them to be licensed again for other uh, other media for toys and shirts and stuff. And uh, one of the things is that Jeff Loeb is a co-producer on the FX series Legion. Now we don't know how much that's going to tie in with the X Men movie series, but then the X Men movie series from movie to movie isn't quite sure how much it ties into the one that came before. So it's just interesting. That's a big sign of the thaw. And the other thing that has shifted this week, as pointed out, is that they ABC announced 
that in two, the fall of 2017, we will finally get an Inhuman series de- dealing with the royal family. The only royal family member specifically named is Black Bolt uh, in, in the in the press release. But the interesting, but why this is interesting is because that's always been a Phase Four uh, film. Right. That this has been said. This is going to happen. It was delayed. It was delayed. There is a sharp division, a a harder wall to cross between Marvel Studios and Marvel uh, and Marvel Television. Jeff Loeb is in he- is the head of Marvel TV, and uh, and Kevin Feige is the head of Marvel Studios. And so now suddenly, and even though Shield had introduced Inhumans as a concept, the assumption was there'd still be a film that dealt with the royal family. And in a way, there still will be because ABC is teaming with IMAX, and uh, they're actually filming the first two hours of Inhumans in IMAX and are going to show it in IMAX theaters this summer. So this is a strange turn of events. What's what's going to happen? I don't know if that means we're getting we're we're going to get a better crossover between movies and TV or if this means that we're really going to consider those two separate universes now even though they have shield has talked about the Sokovia accords uh you know shield has introduced the supernatural uh which marvel is doing with doctor strange uh and, and so it's just kind of, kind of this is a story to for those who who really enjoy feeding off of these kinds of stories of like what's going on behind the scenes there's another interesting story going on here, which we won't get to know for a long time. But what is what is actually going on uh, within the within the walls of Marvel, and, and who's got what and where and why? And also throwing things into the mix is that in 2018, Freeform, the what used to be ABC Family, uh, Freeform, the network for becomers, and we did a story about this a couple months ago on Fanboy Planet, uh, is announced that's when we're going to get Cloak and Dagger. Who are, I think, last time I read them, mutants, right? So uh, they were subject to experiments. They were subject, with drugs. but I think that they got retconned as mutants. As mutants, well, that's why the experiments worked. Okay, that's what. Uh, that's why they survived they the survived? experiments or the okay. bad drugs. I think was what because it's a don't do drugs kids thing. Um, so that's going over to Freeform, um, which we had talked about before. They announced it, but they, they finally at least said it's going to take us a year or two to get it get it developed. But I just, I just get this feeling like there's something really, you know, crazy. And on top of all this, I will throw a little politics in because I know, uh, I know, I on my feed, I'm getting a lot of these are the companies you should boycott. Marvel has not shown up, um, but it is interesting that when I look at things like Champions and Occupy Avengers, um, which I will say are very liberal. Concepts and titles, and yet Ike Perlmutter is one of Donald Trump's leading donors, hmm. and so it's just kind of—it's kind of interesting that I guess all's fair in business, you know, that they will—they'll uh, give us. Although I think I saw somebody else, uh, some other article today talking about. Let's talk about the F word with superheroes, which is that they're all fascists. I don't even want to want to unpack that one right now. I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Just right no, that, considering it. You feel that way too? Yeah. Here, I'm going to end on a less exhausting note, which can, is can, can I Can I, before you end, I don't want to spoil your big finish, but I when you were talking about the uh, two Oh, it's two totally part, anticlimactic anyway. Go ahead. Uh, the, the, uh, the IMAX premiere of The Inhumans. Um, earlier this week, I went to the Fathom event of Doctor Who. Uh, I was going to go, but I had to work. So the, how was it? 
Uh, so just for people who don't know, it it was Doctor Who, Power of the Dialects. And Power of the Daleks. Daleks. Not the dialects. The dialects is just a, a various Exterminate. character. Dalek. Um, and the, the, the thing about this series, this episode was that a large portions of it were missing that had, had been destroyed in the, or thrown away and lost Right, there the are studio. stories on Fanboy Planet, uh, the website about that, yes. And that uh, they had audio of most, uh, most all of it, and they didn't, they had... Uh, done some some people had put together shows where they used stills from the production of it when they didn't have actual video but what they ended up doing was they animated the whole thing from start right. to, start Which, to again, finish there's an and, article about that on family planet yes and this was so, what this was what they uh what the um the fathom event was it's a six episode um series from real. the original yeah. and if you remember when it's the doc- first full se- full appearance of the second doctor. Yeah, you, you, it starts with uh, it starts with the regeneration um, from William Hartnell. It's long, and it it suffers from the fact that you know these these twenty five minute episodes were shown one a night, so you you weren't you weren't buying into a large period of time. It's a little, it's a little long in the tooth as far as uh, uh, for as far as modern art audiences are, and even even for me, which I was like thrilling over the first half of it, um, it it really really seemed to have draggy points until they finally got to the resolution in the last the last chapter. But uh, for Doctor Who fans, or you know, you got to see everything. It's it's worth uh, seeing. Oh. Well, it's being broadcast on BBC America this weekend, it's and it'll Saturday. be and it's available. Uh, it'll be available later in the year on Blu-ray. It's not. It's it's like not available. They're going to come out with I, it on DVD first, and then they'll come out with Blu-ray later. Yeah, I think uh, I think that you'll be able to download it on iTunes next week. Yeah, but that won't have the uh, addition the additional stuff that's on the Blu-ray, which is there's a long making of. That they also showed after the. Uh, oh no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's that's true. I'm seeing, even though I don't. Are you get seeing it, it on? you seeing. I'm seeing a lot of YouTube? extras showing up as uh, things the, that you download with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, that is that's that's again a conversation for another night about like, huh? Does digital first change the way you you know you own? Uh, you know, I, I like I know somebody who works for Voodoo. Budu the the Walmart uh-huh. um, it's not exclusively through Walmart it's not a Walmart company but they go through Walmart and he says you know it's all digital and he says yeah it's for collectors and I'm like I don't get it I, I don't get how you get to how you say it's for collectors if there's nothing tangible physical, yeah but apparently they're they're doing gangbusters business with that um, so yeah. anyway the the last interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's not the last interesting story ever, but uh, this week the last interesting television story uh, that I wanted to just touch on is uh, just before we started recording, there was uh, an announcement that the CW has decided to um, vary its programming a bit by uh, ordering a pilot for a superhero <laughs> that isn't a DC character. <laughs> so, um, because they've run out? <laughs> their programming. Well, because actually they also announced Riverdale is going to get its premiere in, in, uh, in January. Uh, so the Archie uh, comics uh, CW mystery version, uh, CW teen drama version of Archie Riverdale will be starting in January. But it also means that uh, Tuesday nights got a whole lot cooler and easier for me in that um, they're moving Legends of Tomorrow to Tuesdays. So okay. that 
it's Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, which is like, oh, good, let's just get it over in one night. Okay? <laughs> get it over? <laughs> Do your so homework? So I just have my good superhero junk food uh, there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so they ordered Dr. Mirage uh, from Valiant. So that, that's why it's newsworthy to me is that this is Valiant. Is I, I don't think people are paying enough attention to Valiant um, as a force right now of like they're getting a television series they've got an internet series they you know they're going to do ninjack as a web series um they've got a five picture deal with sony and then we're going to get dr mirage so dr mirage is kind of like a, a 21st century version of i think dr occult oh um you know if you recall it was one of siegel and schuster's actual creation before superman um that there's a, a basically a psychic detective uh, or a clairvoyant who communicates with the dead. Um, Doctor Occult was these. It was Rose and and the, and and Rose and Thorn. Realized that it's Rose and no, it's Rose and the Doctor. Oh, um, which is Doctor Who. It really is. Um, I, I can't remember what Doctor Occult's first name, and I can't remember what Rose Rose's last name is. But they they basically shared their body. They could never actually meet. Right. They were in love with each other, but it was kind of a Lady Hawk thing. Um, you know, uh, although I think in the original '30s series, it was they were just it was a detective and a detective and his and his gal Friday, and he had this like hypno disc thing, the occult symbol. Uh, but then it got retconned by Neil Gaiman, so they shared a body. And um, anyway, uh, so Doctor Mirage is this kind of thing. It's like he's this psychic. Uh, uh, like he's been experimenting with the paranormal, and he's crossed over to the other side, and so. He is helping his um, his former either girlfriend or former wife. I think they were married. Uh, I've only picked up one or two issues from the original run of Doctor Mirage back when I was buying everything back in the early '90s, and um, it has been revived by Valiant uh, to some success, obviously. Uh, and I could see it being one of those things like has the Vampire Diaries is going away. Uh, the CW needs to have something a little sh- more to shore up their supernatural side of things, not just supernatural, um, and to have this where it's the, the the lovers that can never touch because one is a ghost, yeah. and and as often cannot be seen, but they're together. They fight crime, and unfortunately do not drink heavily, so it's not beyond belief, which I still would like to see as a sitcom. My God, that has to happen. New episode um, this week. Yeah, I saw that you posted that. That's, that's cool. So that's that's where we end on the most important uh, announcement of the week is there's a new <laughs> episode of Beyond Belief on the Thrilling Adventure Hour as a podcast. So uh, if there's anything else that you'd like us to be talking about that we should be reaching that we should be talking about that says questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get back to it again real soon. We promise. I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to. Use your Use powers, your powers only, only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.